This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to the show. And this week episode being Memorial Day, I just want to remind dads to pause for an extra few minutes this Monday and think about the dads that didn't come home. Think about the the legacy that they don't get to leave, the the holes in those child's hearts that don't get to grow with that love and nurturing of having a dad. And as if you're a dad listening to this and you're stuck on trying to figure out what your service is, I have one message. They died so that we could live and be dead. And it's time for us to come home and recognize that the legacy of our service is over. The next legacy of our family is happening right now, whether we're present to it or not, and we're only going to get one chance to be a dad. And reflect on the ones that didn't get a chance to come home and make your legacy as being a dad worthy of their sacrifice that they didn't get to leave. So dads, I just want to leave you that quick message. Now on with the show with Dr. Paul Henning. Dr. Paul Henning is married with three wonderful children and they reside in Massachusetts. He is currently an Army officer on active duty, currently serving as the executive officer of the U.S. Army Research Institute of Environmental Medicine. He has over 15 years of leadership experience as an Army officer. Paul manages and operates an online health and wellness coaching business. He is genuinely passionate about helping people enhance all aspects of their lives through health and wellness. He believes in health is everything and in good health will lead to a more fulfilling life for ourselves and our loved ones. He has dedicated his entire professional life to helping people transform their health and wellness through nutrition, fitness, and positive lifestyle habits. With over 25 years of academic and practical experience in the fitness industry and over 15 years of leadership experience in the military, he combines a habit-based approach to health and wellness and utilizes his leadership skills and knowledge to guide people to what is absolutely essential to improve their health and fitness. Paul, welcome to the show today. Hey, Ben. How are you? Great. Great for having me here, man. Pleasure to be on. Thank you. Go ahead and fill in the gaps in the intro and tell us a little bit more about your family. Yeah, sure will. Uh, so I have uh, three children right now. I have a, I have a son. Uh, he is 12 years old. Uh, he is from a previous marriage. He's doing well, living in Florida right now, and he visits us in the summer. He'll be up here shortly. And then we have uh, two uh, uh, really outstanding girls we're having a ball with, uh, three-year-old Felicity and a one-year-old Carmela. And Ooh, I like those names. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate that. And my wife, believe it or not, is pregnant with our third girl. 
uh, come due in October. So things are getting interesting. You're going to be outnumbered. Heavily. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So it's going great. Against you. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So my my wife is, um, uh, you know, from her her family is right here in Massachusetts where we're um, currently stationed right now. So she's around family and um, it's just good to be around this area and have some support. But I, I grew up, though, just to let you know a little bit about me real quick. I grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, and I have my family's still back there. I have uh, older sisters, one younger sister, and my mom still lives in the area. What part of Pennsylvania? It is uh, a small town of Jim Thorpe, named after the athlete. It's Jim. in the Poconos, settled in the Poconos, the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania, a little bit, about 45 minutes of, from Allentown. There's probably a lot of people that heard of that, and Wilkesbury, Scranton. I was about 30 minutes south of that. I stayed at a hotel in Poconos on the way home from a uh, work trip when a hurricane hit Connecticut back in 2010. I was there for some generator work. And okay. uh, we, as far as we could get was Connecticut and the Poconos the first day. Okay. And that's where I ended up staying. That's yeah. about as all I know. I've never been back. I never really right. even knew it existed until I drove through it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that bad of a place. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, right, right. A lot of people don't know too much about it. A lot of people know they heard of uh, Jim Thorpe. They know like, Hey, is that the athlete? And like, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of history there. A lot of history on, on, the, uh, on the athlete, Jim Thorpe and how the whole name came about. But I, uh, I, there was a Marine in my uh, unit back in Okinawa. He was from uh, the, t- I can't think of the town's name, but he was from the town where Punxsutawney Phil is officially from. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. He's like, exactly. it's, he was telling me all about it. And it's always weird when you kind of get someone to talk about those kind of like weird things that you just never know the full details of. Like in this town that I can't think of the name of, it's a, a school holiday. They take the school off on Groundhog Day because it's that big of a right. deal there. Yeah. It's like, where else in the country can you get Groundhog's Day off for school? Exactly. Well, in the town yeah. where Punxsutawney Phil's from. <laughs> yeah. It makes us wish we were. I grew up there, huh? <laughs> yeah. So you've had a long career in the military as a family man. When you hear the words come home, what do those words to me mean to you? And you can pick any time of life where you think it meant something different or even tell us a different story about what those words, but when you hear those two words, what, what first comes to your mind? Uh, yeah, that's, um, so what first comes to my mind is uh, when I think coming home. Okay, first you, you kind of think literally like you're, you're away somewhere, like on a, a forced military, right? The deployments come to mind. We all do deployments uh, typically in the military, and I've done one. Uh, with my current family, only with our um, one so far, with our newborn or with our uh, first born uh, daughter, Felicity, I did a tour in Iraq. So, you know, coming home in that sense was it was it just meant, you know, I finally get to come home and be where I'm meant to be, and that's with my family, and just be able to, to support them and be there with them. But then I also think of it as. You know, I'm um, coming home almost on a daily basis, you know, because every time we leave our home and we go off to our work, whatever we do, whether there's business or a career or whatever, you know, we, we totally transition. We have to make a transition almost, right? Because we, we're not, we're two different people when we're at work. Well, at home, we have to act a little differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, every day when I, when I leave my work and I'm on my way home, it's, just it's something I look forward to so much and I think of coming home as I walking in that door and having my you know my wife there and my little girls and just having that bonding moment and just you know enjoying the rest of the evening so that's kind of like I look at two different ways like that but it just means in a nutshell means is just coming home is is being where 
I think it is an incredible place for a daddy and father to be, and that's with his family. If you could take us back to that deployment you mentioned for Iraq and you came home, we were t- I've talked to a couple people on the podcast that there's, when you come home, there's like, did you have a, a coming home ceremony, I'd imagine, where you have the big hugs and everybody, the, the videos and all the stuff you see on TV and stuff? Yeah. So um, the, the most recent one, I did not. And um, there's a little reason why. So the other two, though, before that was I did, yes. Uh, there was a big ceremony. I was with the 1st Cavalry Division, and there's a big, like, parade and escort by the police and all that. So, But this last one was more of a um, – as, as in a uh, different kind of mission. So I was more of a covert kind of thing, and I came home. Uh, but my oh, wife was there. Never left. Well, it was like more <laughs> of a – it was more an intel, as an intelligence assignment. Ah. So it wasn't a real big – a big thing like when I came home and everybody was there like a big like it was at when I was at the Fort Hood assignment um, my wife was there and that was good enough for me man my wife and Felicity was only like a, a year old when I came home I actually six days before she turned one I made it home which was awesome so just having them there and with a sign they had a sign up and that was that was everything to me I, didn't I really love watching those videos because you can cut the tension with the knife prior to that scene yeah And once they see each other, it's just like this instant relief. You can see the physical emotion inside each of them go away. And we've talked a couple of times in the podcast that the next three months is almost like dating when you're dating your spouse, where it's like the honeymoon phase. Like you're just so glad to be home. The memories, it's, it's almost easy to be home. But then after that three months, you, you, you're trying to almost find your place in the home again. Like the, the newness is off. You're back into a routine. Um, there is maybe the excitement that your wife had for those first three months that you were gone. Did you experience like that or did you have anything relatable in that after the honeymoon phase of coming home? Um, I think, I mean, yes, I think you're, you're pretty, I was only gone four months on this one. So it wasn't a long, long time, mm-hmm. but it was long enough. And I mean, my wife was, you know, she had her hands full uh, with, you know, her first or one baby at the time. And, but yes, I think what happens there, and we, um, I remember my other deployments getting, you know, you go, you go through the, uh, the post-deployment uh, reintegration training, if you will. Mm-hmm. And one of it was like done by the chaplains and um, was like reintegrating with your spouse. So what happens is, of course, you, you, you know this too, is that when we're away, uh, our spouses, our wives or, or whatever, you know, they come, they get used to a routine, the way they do things. They learn to live without you. Exactly. That's what happens. They have to. And they, they create systems and processes that doesn't require you to be there. Yes. Ex- yep, exactly what happens. You know, and they just learn to do it without us because that's just the way it is. That's the way they have to survive. And, and you know, uh, our hats off to them. But yeah, so what happens is when we come home, sometimes a little that creates tension. It didn't for me, honestly, um, but I've seen others where, it's hard sometimes to reintegrate. So, but yeah, I experienced that honeymoon um, when I came back uh, with my wife. And then of course, you know, you, after a few months, you kind of get back into daily rhythms. And like you said, it kind of, kind of wears off, but uh, you know, it, it was, it's, it was great. And it was just so, so awesome to be back. And that's just, just being away. just, it makes that heart grow fonder. Right. And then, you know, just the, when I came back, it was, I don't know, Coming on that airplane back from Iraq is the most incredible thing ever. I just never forget like just how good it feels when you know you're coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know that the 
that you survived almost that the, the right. constant tension that you have inside your heart that every minute could be your last that you don't know what could explode next to you at any given minute like this that always on i don't know what that's like i didn't deploy but i've i've, I've heard people talk about it that yeah. you're just always wondering if this is the minute and then you're mm -hmm. on that airplane and the only relatable and it's not really that good but it's the only one i have is uh so in marine corps boot camp is in san diego right next to the airport and watching airplanes take off all day was completely just screwed with my mind all day and i remember being on that airplane looking down for that after that i was all over and i was a united states marine like to me that's a memory and a moment that i can recall very vividly in my head when i close my eyes and yep. it's those moments exist in a lot of different areas. And I think in our military where whatever we are trying to accomplish is over and we've, we've reached that, that milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, just, uh, reaching all you know, those milestones like that. It, it, I mean, it just was great. You know, the deployment, like you said, you hit it right on the, on the head there, Ben. Um, you just never know. I, mean, I did three of them over there and every one was like, you know, um, you never know what could happen. All of them are dangerous, and I thank God I haven't, I haven't experienced anything close to what some people have. Even uh, what at home can be dangerous, as much as yeah. training accidents can happen these days. And yes, oh uh, yeah, they yeah exactly they do. I mean, it's it's a it's a risky business, you know, being in the military, even to, with the training that people do, and the, you know, you hear about helicopter crash crashes in the states too, and unfortunately that happens. Um, so yeah, just uh, just knowing that I made it over that that hurdle and then um, on my way home was just uh, an incredible feeling. Any advice you want to share about that coming home experience with anybody else out there that might be going through it, or any sh bits uh, of wisdom? Yeah, so anybody that's uh, deployed or away from family is, um, yeah, just embrace it, embrace it, embrace like really uh be proud of what you did um very you know of what you accomplished over there and be very thankful for what your spouse is doing uh on this side too because they're doing a lot and that was like one of the things where i think happens a lot is that we're over there and we're going through our, our you know our day to day to day every day we just do our, our thing over there we get into a rhythm of that's all you do is pretty much you know when you do your 12 hours of work and you get 12 hours off and you're you know, you think you're just, you know, you're high stressed over there. You're worried about this and there's missions going on. And you, you almost sometimes people think that, oh, my my wife's back home and enjoying herself. But, but if, if with kids and all, it's hard. It's hard for them. And I, it's hard to see that perspective. So one other piece of advice I would have for people is just really um, under, try to understand and be cognizant of uh, what, what your wife or spouse is doing on this side too and just – when you're on your way home, that's one of the first things uh, that I said was just thank you for taking care of things on this end. So that's what I would say to people too. One of the, I think, can't remember the exact guess, but it was early on in the podcast recordings. The advice was shared that to come home, but be deeply curious about what was life was like. Just turn on your active listening and just be present and understand what was life was like. Let your wife talk about stories. Let your wife vent. Let your wife tell you the happy moment. Let your wife tell you the sad moment. And just be there to understand 
with a deep sense of curiosity. I think the, you have to go with the deep sense of curiosity because you have to go past the surface layer. You've got to go three layers deep to really figure out what was life was like. And I think that allows you to probably even reconnect in your marriage. I don't know what it's like, but I think it would work that by going and getting back to that root intimacy within that conversation, that then you could then almost rebond in a way that made you reconnect and feel part of the family again, because you, you weren't there, but then by listening, you were kind of almost recreating the memories as you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great advice, man. I, I like that a lot. I think, um, Yes, I would. I would second you uh, exactly what you said there, and reemphasize that. Yes, take that time to really listen very, very carefully and listen actively, and with curiosity, like you said, that's a great word. Because I think what happens, and I was probably guilty of this a little bit too, was you, you're you're focused on what you did. You're trying to trying yep. to tell your wife, or you know, hey, mm -hmm. I had to do this and this over when I was employed. This is you, know, that's you were doing a diaper. I was swapping in and, and yeah, right. You almost kind of like you know, belittle it a little bit, but no, yeah, don't. Not the thing to do. Um, definitely, you know. And really it, there's been, uh, just recently, we've been talking about on the podcast a lot is about legacy and that trying to make sense of your service isn't the legacy you're supposed to try to make sense of. It's trying to make sense of your family legacy because that's where the best impact and best place for your leadership skills that the military taught you is implemented mm -hmm. and being deeply curious and just understanding what life was like for there, because nothing you, you, nothing that happened overseas in, in the battle or in the heat of wherever you were deployed, right. Will actually really serve you in at home. The skills, maybe the leadership skills, the moving people, understanding people, but in the end it's how to make an impact with your family and, and, and if you, mm -hmm. I, I think so many military dads just get stuck on why did we survive? Why did we live? And I'm going to start uh, sharing the the military members that that uh, the DOD releases that died in the battles every week. And yeah. I think there's a big lesson to learn that they they died so we could come home and be dads, and that our daughters and sons could have dads for the rest of their lives, like. To me, that's the gift of legacy to them. Like I can now make an imprint on my kids and I need right. to leave a legacy worthy of their sacrifice. Yes. No, that's, hey man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I, hundred percent, Ben, uh, that is crucial. It all comes down at the end. It's like our family's there. Our family's going to be with us mm -hmm. long after the military. Um, you know, my, my career is going to end at some point. My family's still going to be there. So yeah, if we don't get take that time now uh, while we're in, or all those that are in active duty or whatever, um, and harness those relationships and build them strong, the foundation and connections, yeah, that's it's going to hurt us later on. So, and yes. it's like credit card debt; you have to deal with it. Otherwise, it just builds and builds and builds. It's like your waistline; it can keep right. building and building. <laughs> this is something you're very close to your heart. It can keep yeah. building and building, but eventually, someday you got to deal with it when your pants stop fitting. Yeah, exactly, man. It's yeah, everything's perishable, right? Like the skills of, um, I mean, it's almost like you know, like the concept of or the analogy of weed in the garden. You know, it's not going to grow, right? Um, just like everything else, it's we got we got to stay active, we participated, um, to strengthen our relationships with, and especially with our wives and our children. So it's it's crucial. So like like you said, it's the most important thing, and that's what really matters, and that's what really matters to me for sure. 
So you've got young kids and this is the age that I love because their imagination just runs wild. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the best ways or can you share a memory with us that your kids have remembered? Because every podcast we, we remind dads that kids spell love T-I-M-E and it's always the simplest things that they remember and cherish as a memory and want to do again that you never uh-huh. ended. So is there a memory you could share with us of something your daughter loved you doing with her? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> So it's the simplest things, you know, it's really is, it's uh, nothing really big yet, but it's, uh, I would say, no one, one, there's multiple things, but one that really comes is, and we did, I just did it before I got on this podcast because it's, I'm on the East coast here and uh, I just put my girls down to sleep. So reading, reading to her at night is the, oh, it's the best, the best thing for me is to get in the bed with her and she'll pick out you know it always goes lately it's been going up in the number of books (laughs) right it started with one book and then we're up two three four you know she's trying to push five books now before we goes to sleep so it's awesome but that time she just looks she loves it like she just said can we read um when she's brushing her teeth she'll be like can we read and i just love it that she just remembers that time and so that's one of the things I just love, love that she reads. Do you read with the girls together or do you read with them by themselves? So uh, I do uh, together when I turn the daytime, but at night, the other one's still in the crib right now. And we usually just still give a little bottle to her and put her down. But eventually, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be both of them before bed. I went the other way. So I started reading. We used to sit just down in one of the bedrooms and read all together. And it was always just this freaking nightmare of fighting and turning the page and sitting in daddy's lap. Yeah. And just a few oh, yeah. weeks ago, I switched to one-on-one time with them, and that was a game changer. So my youngest oh. is almost three. So they're all like at an age where they can all enjoy a book. My youngest picks the same silly books every time. It's so annoying. Yeah. The worst part about having more kids is then you when the next per, when the next kid starts reading the old books that you've already got put away, you're God, I hated this book. Is what you say in your head. He's <laughs> like, man, we got to bring this book back out. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're like, heard, yeah, you know them by heart, right? I was actually, I'm always amazed of how the universe comes in to introduce something, but I was on Facebook and Jimmy Kimmel had, um, oh, I just had it in my head as I was prepping this comment, Henry Winkler, and and he wrote a a bunch of children's books about his life growing up with uh, just being challenged as uh, a learning disability. And his final book was called Everybody is Somebody to Somebody. Okay. It was just like, it was only like a five minute segment on Jimmy Fallon, but. I, I went and watched it. I read a few of the ch- things on the books. I read the reviews and I went to the library and I down, or I, I checked out a whole bunch of the first ones. And I've been looking for a chapter book to start reading to my daughter because she's a, fer- my oldest daughter, cause she's a ferocious reader. She's seven yeah. and she can pound through a chapter book in a night. Nice. And so I've been trying to find one and we could just sit down. I'm not ready for Harry Potter. Those are going to burn me out. And the Henry <laughs> Winkler books, I've really just started liking them. And we've only gotten the first few chapters, but, uh, it's just crazy how an entire series of books you never knew existed and yeah. come into your life at a random moment. And now the, the, those are what she looks forward to. And I look forward to that now. And in my son, like when I really started this one-on-one time, like you can tell it means something special because he'll get really close to me and like cuddle. He'll want to get under my arm. Like yes. that physical touch one-on-one time in that moment, that is something that, uh, it's, boys yeah. neat, but they don't know how to say. Right. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's the same with me too. Like she'll, uh, you know, get on my lap when we're just reading, and uh, just, just like you know, I, the connect. You could, you could tell that 
you're really connecting with them. You right? can feel the love tank filling up when it's happening. You can feel it. Yeah, you can feel it when it's happening. And you know, like that's just those moments like, that are just sticking with them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing. I think it's one of the most important things that we, you know, we can do as dads. And I think if we were even switch back to our coming home with a deployment, I think as we try to figure out how to make up for being gone, I don't think our kids have the gap that we have in our head of what the deficit of what we want in their head or what they think we need. That uh-huh. it's just, I think even something as simple as just starting with reading your child, your book at night, it'll be like you never were gone. Like for us, our, we'll probably have a guilt of a, a skyscraper high, but for them it's, it's big, but it's not big that the simple things that we can do can't overcome. Right. And I think that's something important when we come home from deployment is, Focus on the simple things to to bring your connection back to your kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all it is. It's the simple things. We can overcomplicate it so much with that guilt, and if you're dealing with uh-huh. other things in your head, then you can just you can probably should yourself out of it. Like, oh, I shouldn't do that because of X reason, and it's gonna be the simplest things that they love. Like we've That's been it. going on walks in the neighborhood, and I label it an adventure, and. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not an adventure. It's the most boring walk to, in, in the history of subdivision walks. But because I call it an adventure and I call some random things, some funny things like a right. driveway, I'll be like, hey, guys, be careful. We're going on the road of small rocks. Don't hurt yourself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, there was an excavator in, in one of the new areas of the subdivision. And I was like, Dylan, look, there's a cat in the wild. Can you believe it? And my oldest daughter figured it out, but Dylan liked it and it right. just sparked their imagination. Like that was yeah. something, but they've talked about that for weeks now. Oh God. Yeah. The imaginations that they have. And that's awesome. Yeah. Like you, you said, do so much more damage in their world when you enter their world versus that you trying to bring them to yes. yours. Right, right, right. Yeah. Good point, man. Good point. That's all it takes, man. The simple things. And, and then the, that time, like you heard, you said earlier, you know, that's what they want. They just want some of your time and, it could be the most simplest thing that you're doing and you could have, they could have the time of their lives. Yeah. So I never really thought about it, but I wonder where within like the last time, I feel like it's probably the last 100 years, like where did society transition to that? It had to be complicated to, to spend time with your kids. Like I'm sure in the beginning, maybe 50 years ago, like in the fifties, maybe I feel like it was simpler, like in the leave it to beaver mentality. But uh-huh. at some point, I don't know if it's because we got more focused on things, it probably was connected with things and materialism, that right. those are, I've often thought in my life of growing up that how has the connection of buying something to the idea of making yourself happy served me and then trying to undo some of that and keep teach my kids to be happy without having to buy something, which is yeah. probably why we, we overcomplicated because we think we need to buy something to connect to happiness when it really... At the core, that's not how our mind works. It's just how society and America right. and consumerism has programmed to think it works. Yes, I think yes, exactly right. Um, I mean, I think that's just a kind of a, like a spiral effect with things in, in this day and age. Is is the you know trying to buy love almost you know even with our kids and uh, you know I I know a lot of other dads and not not military but they just struggle with. Um, you know, just the connection part because some of them just work all the time and and they just think they could buy, you know, their kids something and then that, that takes care of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, I guess what do you think about that whole struggle of, 
I mean, I know what I think about it too, but I'm just like opening this up and getting your perspective of, you know, and it comes down to consumerism and wanting more materialism, but the whole thing of just like trying to buy um, your kids gifts and, and thinking like that's enough. You don't have to really spend so much time with them. I mean, you could work and work. And I think it's, uh, it's, you first have to take the perspective of, whatever how that choice is playing out is says more about you or your lack of something than it does anything about the kids mm-hmm. and that until you're ready to focus on the inside work of recognizing like what memory what was i missing early in my life my childhood that this is trying to fulfill like am i living vicariously through my kids is always something i feel like a trap the parents get sucked into right but at the end of the day i think as as people, especially as I think Americans, we follow patterns. We unfortunately keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And consumerism and capitalism are wonderful things. But the downside is they require you to stay in patterns. Mm-hmm. And patterns from our childhood, patterns from how we connect those memories, especially a powerful memory. And I've been really focused on, especially with that word adventure, that trying to interrupt the patterns, that so much of what we really seek in life isn't the the things, the next house, the next car. It's really just to experience that we're alive. And sometimes that can be just connecting with your kids. Sometimes it can be going for a walk in the woods with your kids, mm-hmm. but just getting outside the patterns. Like, do you experience the weekends and come home and just, okay, we got to work on the grocery list. Okay. We got to figure out the target run. Do we, okay. We got to figure out yeah. laundry. Yeah. We, we got to figure out breakfast. Oh, it's right. the end of the weekend. Yeah. And like, if you don't really pause it to make intentional investments to get outside those patterns, I feel like the more you stay in the patterns, like the more, I know I feel like horrible. I just feel just sorry for myself almost because I'm not alive. I'm not doing things that I'm proud of. And I'm not, especially once you get a taste for experiences, I feel like in the military, we all have a taste for experience. We've all done things that very few people in the entire world have done. And we want that adventure. We want that. There's a, a book that was just mentioned, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge last week on the podcast. Uh, and that book talks about that there's a, there's a burning fire inside of all men to have adventure. And mm-hmm. adventure can be a big word, but to kids, it can be a little, very little word. Like I said, it can just be something as simple as a walk, but just getting outside the patterns. And there's something that uh, I didn't really get a chance, but the Marine Corps is the first chance I had to was, I'm a big believer you got to get outside of your life in order to figure out how to live your life. And yeah. you got to get outside the patterns to get outside your life. And you got to do things you've never done. And there's yeah. uh for my, my weight loss journey that I, I started a, uh, a gym habit last year. The question that really got me there was if I want a result I've never had that I need to do something I've never done. And I've applied that question a lot to just what I want to do each weekend. What do I want to do this summer? Um, This is going to be scary. I don't want to scare you too much, but like uh, when you say the words, you only have 18 summers with your kids. It's a very small number. And how many people actually slow down to intentionally make those 18 summers count? Summers, you said, right? Yep. 18 summers. Like that's a small number. Every person can feel that. That's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like right around the corner. Right. Especially right. if you're like 10 and you're like, Oh my gosh, we only got 10 summers left and they're out of our house. I we know. better get outside these patterns because 
eventually those 18 will be gone and you're like, what happened? Right. Yeah, you're right, man. It's a, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, right? Um, but it is so... But so I think true. it starts with yourself. You really got to figure out... You got to do the inner work on that question to really figure out what voids that happiness is trying to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What problems are you trying to solve temporarily with some type of materialism? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it is always the thing that uh, wanting more and trying to keep up with Joneses, that's a huge thing. And you get into those patterns of... Uh, you know, just, you know, I don't know, some people want, want to work a second job or, or do this so they could buy this and buy this. But I, like you said, our kids don't care about that. They just care about that time. And, you know, it could just, we could lose it. It just goes by. The time's not going to stop for us. For, for Every us adult up. who's ever told me that you better pay attention, these times go fast. I'm positive that's just an, ex- that's just them covering up to say that they weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want right. to admit it. That's me. They're trying to warn me, but that's them trying. That's them admitting I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But yep, I think uh, it could definitely get the you know it could get the best of us though, as adults, and I think it has. I mean, it could you know of course I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of dads out there are struggling with this right now. So it's a, it's a huge topic and something I, I hope that anybody's listening to that, that really, really, really that is struggling with this, that just reflect on this and just think about what, what Ben just said there and take those points to heart. And I, I think about them almost every week now, especially as summer gets close. Like I'm really trying to make sure that the summer is good. And I've, um, I don't know how I'm going to pull it off, but I would love to get my kids to India at some point before they leave the house because every person I've, I work for an international company. So I've known quite a few people that have been to India and uh, they all say like they have people there have absolutely nothing, but all of them have a smile on their face. Yes. Right. And so I don't know what lesson or how the lesson will be learned, but that perspective and that depth to life, I think is super important. And I would love to try to give that experience to my kids that learning how to live with nothing and observing how people are happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I would love that too. And you hear about this, and we just did a uh, with our church. We just did a six k uh, world vision for for water, and you and they show the clip of the um, some of these villages that they help with. Uh, you know, and what that six k comes from is that's the average distance that the kids have to walk just to get water, and they're they're charged with the duty of carrying these jerry cans, filling them with water, and the water's not clean for their family. I mean, this is eight, 10 year old kids. So, but on the flip side, they, they just like you mentioned, these kids are, are happy. They're just happy. They just, they, they have like nothing compared to what we have, but they're content. And that just amazes me. I mean, that's a, what a great lesson that we could teach. And I think kids. that's the best gift or best, especially in 2019, the best gift you could give your kids is learning them how to be happy with nothing. Yes. Because oh, yes. there's so many driving forces in between marketing and media and oh, friends yeah. and school that if right. you can teach your kids to, to be happy with what they have. And I'm not that good at it because my daughter sometimes is spoiled rotten with things that she wants and she's going to Target and always wanted the next piece of junk and she's losing own money. So I'm teaching her about money and valuing. I'm like, I always yeah. asked the question to her. I was like, how long did you play with the last thing you bought at Target? Uh, about a few days or does she, does she even remember the last thing she bought at target? And sometimes right. she doesn't. And I'm like, that's probably not a good use of your money. Right. Sometimes I like, for me, it's, it's still really hard. And the only thing I can do is just ask her questions based on her decisions. Let her come to the conclusion that that didn't really make me happy. Yeah. 
I think that's the best thing you can do. That's the best approach. And then eventually they, they get it, right? Because um, I don't think you they, can parent it into them. You really have to let them walk to that conclusion. Right. Especially if they're surrounded in a world where there is a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And like you said, it's almost like, man, it's stacked against us, right? The odds because, you know, I mean, all their peers have all these things and they get influenced and it's like they come home. But they come home and they're like, oh, I want this. I want this because Johnny or, or you know, Rita has this at school. Yeah, there's these twisty pets at school and they're <laughs> these little transformer things. They're really yeah. stupid. But she's like, uh, my friend has 11 of them. I only have six. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's like, right. I'm, that's our current struggle right now is getting her to accept like, okay, it's okay if she has 11 and you have six that just be happy with what you have. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know, man. I know. Mine's only three, man. I'm like, I see some of the things that, that she's kind of going through already. And, and you, so you're on the Disney Junior stage of marketing where they're trying the Disney Juniors program right. to get all this random stuff. Right, right, right. Exactly. All of Sophia, the first <laughs> memorabilia. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? It, you know, I mean, we could, we could talk for hours about this whole thing with him, man. It's the whole marketing and how it just, you know, almost frames all these, you know, the kids for like, Hey, um, at an early age, like this is, you have to have this, you have to buy this. And, mm -hmm. and this is what makes, what makes you happy because you saw someone smiling on TV. Yeah. Right. But what a, what a great point though. You I mean, what you said earlier about having our kids, teaching them to be happy with nothing. What a crucial skill for, for a kid to learn. Right? I mean, that would get, that would take them far in life. I mean, yeah. if they could really get that, that, and have that skill set, man, that, that will really take them far. So let's switch gears a little bit to your health side. Yeah. I feel like everybody in the health has some origin story of where, why they chose it or either family member or just a, a point in their life where that became the road they started walking. What's your origin story in your health side? Uh, so for me, at an early age, I got into the, I guess you could call it the bodybuilding bug i just remember clearly remember looking at the the magazines and you know they're on schwarzenegger days <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> seeing him in magazines and i just love it i love like the look of it i love the feeling of, of you know strength and getting stronger well i didn't really understand what that meant but i mean i guess it was eight years old i think when i started you know actually playing around with a weight set in my in my basement but then it grew from there, Ben. Uh, as I uh, got older, I played football, I played sports in, in high school. So I always like, you know, weightlifting, of course, goes hand in hand with sports, especially football. So I was always fascinated with that and trying to get better at my sport and using, you know, strength and conditioning for that. And then it went into, that went right into college. Um, I wanted to study exercise physiology because I just, I just want, again, just love studying that field, that field and learning about the body's systems, how they function, uh, kinesiology, anatomy and physiology, you know, then the whole world of nutrition and how, how that world, I mean, that, that science is in its infancy. Yeah. You know, right it's, the worst part is it's separate from the health system we have today. Like if you go to your, I've heard this said many times, if you go to your doctor and say you have a sleeping problem, they'll rarely ever ask you what you're eating. Oh, exactly. What you eat every day has a pure effect on, or how much water you drink has a direct effect of how well you sleep. But totally, those totally. things aren't questions that they're even trained on. It's not like they're holding out on you. It's that 
as a doctor in medicine, they're not trained in those things. Exactly. That's, that's huge, man. You, yeah, that's, so, that's exactly right. They're not trained in, on nutrition. I mean, medical doctors don't get pretty much any training at, at all on, on nutrition, those type of things. So, yes, I mean, they're trained to kind of give you a prescription or write a prescription. And, and that, you know, that, that is proven to be, you know, not working for a lot of people. I'll just leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I have tons of stories, tons of stories I can go into there, but I'm not going to. But uh, so, yeah, so it was, it was just that love and passion of that field. I love studying it. And when you find something in school, <laughs> right that you could actually love yeah, love enough where I went to grad school. yeah yeah and then I went to grad school for it and then it just my, my love and studying it and learning about it and applying it grew and grew then on on a personal side my father was not the healthiest person he passed away at age 60 from a massive heart attack and I saw I saw it kind of coming you know I mean when I was going through my undergraduate years, I uh, would always tell him he was a smoker, and I always said, "Hey, Dad, um, hey, try to you know try to stop smoking. Let's, let's go out and start with a walk. Try to get eating healthier." And he just never took to it. Never took to it. I guess you know one of those things you get into those patterns, and um, you know you just you can't give them up. Whatever. Uh, but anyway, he had some heart congestive heart failure at age 57 or I think 58. And then I was actually in grad school. I moved away to Florida when I went to, that's where I went to grad school at Florida state. And, um, and then he had a heart attack and, and passed away. And I, I flew home and, you know, attended his funeral. And so that drove me too, just to learn more and more about it. And I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are, that their lives are getting cut short, not only their quantity, but the quality of, of their lives is, taking a big hit and the more we get surrounded by people that are also overweight the more you just accept it as that's just the way it is yeah right right exactly the new pattern that yeah. it's like okay it's okay to be in this pattern yeah and that's what happens i think a lot of people do just accept it and i mean they don't do anything a lot of people don't do anything until they get that scare really unfortunately and that's what it takes the doc when the doctor says to them, um, you need to do something about your health or you're going to die. And that's a lot of people have their doctors say that to them. And that's when they say, Oh, maybe I do need to make a change. Right. And you know, the prevent, I believe in preventative medicine, right. Kind of in that word the nutrition and the exercise comes into play. That's all preventative, like prevent diseases from happening. Not let, not let wait that this disease happens and try to treat it with, with, mm-hmm. with medicine and treat it with pharmaceutical so, yeah, I just, uh, I think, um, I mean, our health is everything. I, I said that in my opening uh, as part of my bio, I think it is. And, and, and this goes hand in hand with what we're talking about here in kids too, right? Because, God, I, I mean, I know you do too, brother. And I mean, I want to be there hopefully, you know, long and long having a quality life and seeing my girls. And I still got a new one on the way that hasn't even been born yet. So it is, you know, crucial to me to stay staying healthy and stay in shape yeah. and live a long life and, and spend that quality time and when doing quality things, like you said, taking your kids out on walks or whatever. Yeah. You're going to be six two so, at the, at, when she's going to high school prom. You got to be. Oh able man. To- is that right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, man. You're right, man. You're and when she right. brings that boyfriend home, she, you've got to look like you're not just that old dad that can't beat him up. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can't come out like all bent over and be like, you know, and <laughs> or on a wheelchair or any. 
Yeah, no, I know, man. So hopefully, you know, it's so important. And uh, for me, I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing for years now. It's a part of my life. It's built into my daily rhythms. And um, I framed it a, a while back and it touches on what you talked about when you lost your dad that I've, my grandmother had emphysema and was a smoker early in life. She stopped late. Uh, I don't I don't remember when she stopped. She wasn't smoking when I can remember, but it, she was always on oxygen and when she was dying, she was yeah, like, it was a struggling death because she couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. And that emotion that that caused me, I was like, I'm never going to cause my anybody in my life that pain. So I've never even tried smoking. And as much as the military is a smoking organization of smoking with you got them, never tried it. Especially deployment, that's where it's really dangerously close to being tried. But it's never even something I fathom because I wasn't willing to ever risk putting my family in pain. And it within weight, it's weight's a hard one because there's so much emotion connected to weight. And even for me, it's been a problem as well. But Framing it for that uh, I have no right to take away the years from my kids as me as grandma and grandpa, and me and oh. my wife and grandma and grandpa. Like for me oh. to make a choice now that will affect me not being around when they have grandkids or yeah. when they're in college or when they're just young adults and they need. Like I'm making choices now that are going to rob from that time then. Yeah. I don't have yeah. any right to take that away from them. It's not, I mean, right. I have a right because my life, but at the same time, I am not giving myself permission to inflict that pain yeah. of not being there for those moments. Yeah. Because the risk is too high. It's just, it's, we have to play the long game almost when you frame it this way that yeah, about the end game and what you, what time are you robbing? Every time I see a smoker, I, I, I hate being so judgmental, but I have, I've often just think I'm like, they're not going to be around for the, the grandkids. They're not going to be around for those hugs. Mm-hmm. And I, loved the relationship I had with my grandmother. It was one, she was my first best friend. She was at the end of our driveway and I would, I would, I wouldn't be here to to feel it, but to know that I took that moment, that experience away from my, my, my uh, grandkids, I would, I know that it eats me up inside just thinking about it as I talk about it just now. Right. Yeah. No, man, you're you're right. You're right, Ben. Exactly. It's such an important point. And, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people just don't don't think of it like that way and until it gets too late, unfortunately. You got to go play the legacy game where what legacy and where, where yeah. like, how long do you want to impact your legacy? Yes. You can you say you can impact it for another 10 years and then it's over or you can add another 10 on to that or another 10 or you can just, and eventually you get to the point where you're not crafting the legacy, you're being the cheerleader for it. Like right. they go out there to make their dent in the world like then you get to be there to observe it and to see all those little seeds that you planted for so many years of reading those stupid books at night and <laughs> you're not going to get to see the end game i think that's the best part of, of i know life. right especially if you work on the legacy point of view like if you really invest in trying to create the best adults you can with your kids i think yeah. standing on the sidelines and watching them go do great things i think is one of the that's awesome yeah the, that's in- the best views you can have in life later in life it really is, man. There's not be anything better than enjoy like all the fruits of your labor, so to speak, right? And not, yeah, and be there. So I think about, I mean, what my dad missed. I mean, he never, he didn't see me get married. He didn't see my son. He didn't see any of my daughters. And, and none of your daughters that will ever know what he was like. It'll be never through, always through, like, just the yeah. memories of you. Exactly, exactly, man. So I mean, it's crucial. It's just like you said. And I've, I want to see my girls go through all that stuff. And um, I mean, there's a lot of pieces of advice I will seek my dad's input for. 
pathway, you know, but as I was, I was only 25 when he passed. So, you know, I'm still, I was still young, but, but he wasn't there anymore to, for, uh, to give those advice, you know, pieces of advice to me. So yeah, it's so, so important, so important to uh, invest into ourselves and that respect so we can give more quality to our, to our kids and yep. to our grandkids down the road. My dad, so I grew up on a farm and my dad's dad, oh, uh, so my grandma and grandpa moved to the end of our driveway. My dad moved into the house where he was raised. And so my, gran- my grandpa came up every day to do chores every day. Okay. Dad, he was a smoker earlier in life. Smoked. I never knew at that point, but he's, I've heard he was a smoker. He stopped eventually. But when my dad was 34, and I want to say I was like three, he had a heart attack in the milk house one morning. Oh. And that was it. He was gone. He died maybe like 25 minutes later at the hospital. Wow. So yeah. I only have a few memories left. And I still not even sure how my dad has, cause he, he's always kind of like that rock hard type guy that doesn't show a lot of emotion. Yeah. Like how he walked through that. And, um, oddly enough, he reminded me when the age that I was or when age he was, when his dad died. So I often used to have this fear of like getting a phone call that he's gone and he'd never smoked. So he's been fairly good with his health, but like, there's a lot of fear and luckily he gets to invest in memories with my kids and I'm always mm-hmm. making sure that he's there. It's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily move away because I want yeah. that impact and I want to take him, take that away from him because he does like that. And it's, it's a difficult thing to deal with. And I often think about um, what my grandma went through having him pass away. Uh, and he, I mean, they were just starting their retirement life they were going on road trips everywhere they were just enjoying the life not being connected to the farm right i'll never forget uh i didn't know about this right away until my grandma died in 2013 i think that uh someone made the the comment that uh she had said like so my grandpa died that morning and one of the first things she did that day was she put a ham in the oven because she's like there's gonna be a lot of people over we better start worrying about how to feed them And wow. like, there's even wow. just talking about it now. If I can feel myself getting teary, uh, yeah. that those moments happen, and they're not good. But like, that's a model of how I want to respond to different things, and just continue to move forward. Because I huh. think a lot of times we get stuck on so many things that if like huh. a, a different yeah. you could have gotten stuck on your dad dying and and living with regret for years and just not and staying in neutral in so many ways of. Yeah. Of your own life. Yeah. If you didn't have your health under control, like, and you were just like your dad, that I can imagine would paralyze you from taking yeah. it somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think some people that happens, you know, this um, thing, I think we, I don't know what it was, um, but they almost think that, you know, they see that happen to somebody they love, whether it be their parent or whatever. And they just, they don't, they don't change either. They just keep going down, going down that road. For whatever back, reason, back those patterns that we stay in that we feel that these patterns are safe, but yeah, right. The safety almost right. It's, I don't know what it is. I guess it's a safety net for some people to stay in that pattern and not change because you know, we all, I mean, change brings it's change is scary sometimes for people, but uh, yeah, I um, not for me though. I mean, I just, yeah, that was a big thing for me, and uh, those that moment when when he passed too, and you know, I just wanted to see how much I could help people out, not ever come down to that, and so they can live a more fruitful life. Mm-hmm. I've heard, and like the best mindset that I have with uh, being a coach and leadership is the game of monkeys. 
always have one hand up and always have one hand down. So a lot mm -hmm. of what you're doing, Paul, is, is always keeping your hand down to make sure that other dads don't fall into that pit that lead to that road that your dad ended up at. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good analogy. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, absolutely. Just don't, not on the health side, just, I mean, not only on the health side is where I like to help. I mean, that's the mechanics of getting healthy is one thing for sure. Uh, then that, that's just a matter of executing, right? you know, the day-to-day mm -hmm. -day things. But then it's the, what, what it is a lot. And one of the things I'm working on now to be better at coaching is the whole uh, mindset part of it. Now, what, what's stopping people from, from executing those mechanics, right? Now, whether it be whatever, how they manage their time, you know, is it, is it fear? Is it Mine was whatever? Fair. Like I had a, I had tried working out in the Marine Corps. And so it's the biggest fitness club in the world. And I just never, I never felt like I could get fit by the Marine yeah. Corps standards. Right. PFT. And so that fear of failure of, of, of like that not being good enough at that moment paralyzed me for over 15 years. Jeez, and wow. it really just took getting a coach to hold my hand almost. And essentially he told me the exercises to do. And I pretty much walked that road and uh, just had to show up. And that allowed mm -hmm. me to kind of work through it on a step-by-step -step basis, but not take the whole thing under my control. I just had to show up, do the exercises and go home. And yeah. it's crazy when you talk about the mindset, like there was uh, two, two colloisms that I, I repeat often to myself. And uh, the first one was, on, I think it was like uh, the first day or two, I was thinking uh, I needed to ask myself a question that I was never asking what's one thing I can do every day that will change every tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I when I asked it. this question, that was like, Oh my gosh, it's the gym. <laughs> and I've done it by, so I go at 5 AM and I've you done do. it by 5:45 before nice. anybody else has come into my life. Nobody from work can take that away from me. Nobody anywhere else in my life can take away that one thing I've already done to change yeah. every tomorrow in the future. And then yeah. I kind of coined a term of making daily deposits in the bank of tomorrow because I make those deposits before anybody else has a chance of withdrawal. Right. And nice. so it's that, that little bit of, it's like taking a, a direct deposit out of your paycheck before anybody else can come get it. Yeah. You've already made sure you've saved for yourself. And the other parts that I realized is when it was my, like for me going to the gym was more about just proving to myself that I could do something and grow. Like yeah. I, just consistently kill limiting beliefs. I remember doing dumbbells and uh, it was in the early days. I'm lifting one up and I was like, huh, I felt like that was heavier last time. And huh. then I created clays and I was like, what was hard today will be easy tomorrow. And right. it's really, you just learned that doing repetition and stretching limiting beliefs and proving yeah. that, oh, I just need to show up and do take some simple actions every day and I'll slowly get better. Wow, what a concept they're going to apply to every area of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I find going to the gym is more about doing life than it is about building muscle. Building muscle is almost a side effect for me. Exactly, man. No, that's, that's, it is right. You're right. And it's, it, what it, the, uh, the effect it has on other parts of your life from having that commitment is huge. And hey, hats off to you, man. 5 a.m. in the morning, that's awesome. I, I'm the same type of... Uh, person i get my thing done first thing in the morning it's the priority you know that's how i'm not a morning person but that's it's <sighs> just started doing it and then it became yeah. something i really liked especially on mondays even yeah. like uh, uh a friend of mine gave me a, a saying that like on monday mornings i want to kick it in the teeth and i've already kicked <laughs> in the teeth by 4 45 and yeah it just and 
the crazy part is now I've got like, uh, I got like Jocko in my head and I'll be oh, like yeah. in the morning and I'll be like, damn, there's Jocko in my head saying like discipline equals freedom. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We're yep. just laying in bed and then I'm, I'll, 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 I'm to the point almost now after a year, like I can successfully talk myself out of most excuses and work through and get out of bed. And even though I'm groggy and tired and yeah, get to the gym, do some jumping back, get some blood and then come home. And I'm like, God, that felt good. Yeah. You know, you and, feel so accomplished, right? And then yeah. just continuing to do that. I, I, another colloquialism is uh, limiting beliefs are like rubber bands. You just need to keep stretching them and they'll eventually break. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. just the gym, you just got to keep showing up and do the, that work and the results will come. Right. That's it, man. Yeah, that's it. And take that's the smallest that. step. Like I wouldn't say I'm, I've completely conquered the health, my health on anything, but I took and right. the simplest step was, was getting the gym. I maybe didn't, I didn't tackle nutrition at the same time I was doing the gym. I wanted to get the gym habit down. Now right. I've got that. Now I can move on to something else and not try to build too much of a house of cards on top of each other and have a breeze come by. Right. right and man. just blow it all apart. That is exactly right, man. That that's the whole philosophy and concept that I that I coach people too. That is the habit building, the habit stacking, if you will. Because yeah, you don't want to throw everything at once, right? Just like you yep. mentioned, you wanted to do the gym first. And that was awesome, man. You you did that, you got that going. And now it's a part of your your habit structure, and now you're gonna move on to your next piece. So yeah, that's great, man. I love, I love it too. It's just like, you feel so accomplished. You got that part of your, your day done. You got your gym in and now it's like, whatever happens the rest of the day, man, you, you, no one can take that away from you. Right. The rowing machine is where I've, I found the most life you can do. Cause like within a 15 minute row session, I'll give up on myself about 10 different times and tell <laughs> myself that I can, I should quit and like, go oh, Ben, just stop. You're already exhausted. Just quit. Yeah. Like, I'll set a goal. I'll hit a target. And then to get it hit at the end of the time, and I'd be like, huh, I set a goal, I hit a target, I could do that. Even though I told myself I couldn't do it, I wanted to quit, I still was able to finish that. Like just switching and programming that your mind will give up far long, sooner than your body and proving it wrong huh? consistently. And the simple things like rowing machine isn't that hard. It can be hard physically if you're not doing it a lot, but just proving to your mind that your mind isn't the limitation of what you should say yes to is right. something practicing. I have no idea where that's going to play off in later in my life, but yeah, it could be a reason why I have a podcast now. I'm not sure, but uh, it just those little examples when you prove your brain wrong, help you in ways you have no idea. Absolutely, man. So yeah, another thing I remember when I was young in my high school days is um, I think it was a military it must've been coming from like, I don't know, special operating, but it goes like your body can, your body can withstand 10 times more than your mind think you can. The mind thinks it can or something like that. And just, and that, and you think about that literally is that, you know, I know you, you just described it, uh, an anecdote there. And it's like, well, you know, for you're exercising and you're pushing yourself, you're doing some training and you're like, man, this is it. You know, I can't, can't go anymore, but your body can do 10 times more than that. That's, that's a pretty insane. That's pretty crazy. Cause I, I mean, that's, that's our own capacity that we put on ourselves. And I mean, it's not only important for, for exercise and building our bodies and um, getting healthier, but just think of like taking that mindset to other parts of our life too, right? Which can yep. be applied to, to uh, just, you know, we can do more. We can, we could like uh, go outside of our limitations, eliminating beliefs. And again, that's just like one of the things I'm really trying to get better at with, with coaching too, with people is just the limit creating our, helping them with their limiting beliefs See past the horizon. Right. Exactly. And uh, the whole mindset game. 
So as we wrap up here, Paul, what's a parting piece of advice you want to leave for military veteran dads? What's your best piece of advice wrapped into a nice little gift? Military veteran dads, uh, yeah, well, first of all, you're a unique person. You know, you're a unique individual. You're, you're a dad. You're a military. You served your country. Um, you have you're, you started You have an incredible legacy right now. And I would just say lead by example. Keep leading by example because you have been. Uh, you know, our military does sometimes. I understand it. I understand it well. It puts stress on us and it, it demands time. It takes us away from our families. Um, communicate well with your families uh, and your, you know, your loved ones that when you have to leave and just embrace that time when you come home again, whether it be on a day-to-day basis after a long day at work or if you're doing short deployments or TDYs or whatever, come home and, and I'll use your words too, Ben, and just uh, listen actively to your family and just get to and connect with them. Take that time to connect because um, cherish your families. Our families are everything. They're going to be here long after our military careers. I promise you that. And, and your uh, wife will be there long after your kids leave. Exactly. Yeah. Your so. kids will betray you. <laughs> it's a certainty. Right. There's few certainties right. in your family, but your kids will betray you. They will leave the house. And kids will betray you. Yeah, they will leave. They will, right? they will leave. I know. It's hard and you'll to be believe. left with the one person you committed your life to. That's right. That's right, man. That's that's exactly a great piece of life. So our spouses are our spouses are a wiser or a bedrock, right? I mean, today being Mother's Day, what a great day to think yeah. about this, right? So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, man. They just and what they do is incredible, and just cherish that time and build them up, build your wives up, mm-hmm. fellas. Yeah. Well, Paul, I know we brought some dads home with a lot of different conversations on this episode. You almost got me crying with sharing my story. So oh, man. I don't think I've almost cried in the podcast yet. So this was the first. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I really I enjoyed this. And I'm, I was looking forward to this episode because I've been following you on Instagram for a while and uh, trying to figure out you and figure out who you are and what you're up to. And uh, it was nice to peel the onion back and get the. Oh, man. Likewise, man. Likewise, Ben. I really appreciate what you're doing here on this show, man. This is awesome, man. I think it's this is huge. It's being a dad and, and especially a military dad is, is absolutely, you know, incredible honor and privilege. And we just got to keep stepping up and executing. So thank you for what you're doing, man. It's great connecting with you. And um, if people want to follow your uh, your Instagram handle, because your Instagram is where you're mostly active, if I'm understand uh yeah you know um well you know actually mostly on facebook i got uh i got my clo- uh, closed facebook group it's actually called operation transformation um you know it's a whole the whole military lingo i put in there for anybody who really wants to kind of make that transformation in their life um that's a closed group on facebook you know, dr paul henning phd you can find me on facebook the same thing on instagram um i pop on linkedin too once in a while but i would say facebook is my primary um social media handle and then my website too is is, is this dr paul henning phd.com or awesome. email i'll include all of those links in our show notes for any of the people in the audience that want to connect with you afterwards yeah sure absolutely be be great man i'd love to connect well and paul, again man i just want to thank you man it's been outstanding I, I i thank you as well and i it was as good a conversation as you can have on a sunday night <laughs> absolutely bud have a great week thank you you as well paul all right thank you care. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet in iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. 
Dads, it's time to come home.